I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Today is Monday, February 18th. I think he signs tomorrow. Tuesday the 19th. 19, Tony Gwynn. Sources on that? 19, Tony Gwynn. I saw on MLB Network. 219, my adult league career batting average. I saw on MLB Network that uh, Machado's career war is uh, 33.8. Tony Gwynn batted 338 (laughs) in his career. And welcome back, everybody, to the very first edition of the 5.5 podcast. Of the Manny Machado era, baby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am your elated host, Danny Ortiz, (laughs) alongside my buddy, Eric LeBou. And Eric, we did it. Yeah, we We sure did did. it. I want to say we threw out the entire Padres should sign Machado last year in our guest appearance on the... uh, Working the Count podcast. Working the Count podcast with Roy and Angela. Back in May. Back in May. Yeah, I'll take full credit for this. Absolutely. Absolutely indeed. We did it. This just shows you guys if you bitch enough on Twitter, anything is possible. (laughs) So if you want something, bitch about it on Twitter and it eventually will happen. Yeah, but nobody, the Padres don't read Twitter apparently. But, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Let's, it's been, speaking of Padres Twitter, is it me? Like, I have, I've been on Twitter. But I don't go on with, like, the same uh, gusto anymore because everybody's on there singing kumbaya and holding hands. <laughs> well, yeah, un- until people start Photoshopping Trevor Hoffman pictures. Oh, jeez. Oh, then there's it all only, goes downhill. There was only one complainer on that one. That we'll always find a way to fight each other. But, <laughs> but yeah, dude, the last, like, week, uh, the last week or two since Machado signed has just been, has been amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing, man. And, you know, when it happened... So when when the signing actually happened, and it's always kind of like that thing like, oh, hey, man, do you remember where you were when X happened or when Y happened or when Z happened? Do you remember where you were when Manny, when the news uh, dropped for Manny Machado? Yes. I do. I was at work. Okay. I was at my desk, and it was around – I'd only been to work for like an hour or so. So I want to say it was around 8.15 to 8.45-ish. Okay. And remember last pod I said I had Dennis Lynn, Kevin A.C., uh, Ken Rosenthal and John Heyman all on alert. You also, basically had everyone on alert and except, MLB the show, <laughs> except for the guy that broke the news. Yes, I didn't think <laughs> about, and I like uh, Jeff Passan, but yeah, I, I didn't think of him as a newsbreaker. Right, he's right. more an editorial guy. So I see the retweet. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, dude. <laughs> cue the office. Cue the office meme. Oh my god. Yeah. It's happening, dude. First, you have to check to make sure it's real. Yes. Make well, sure I saw it's not when, Barry McCockiner. <laughs> Yeah, Sports Talk Joe. Yeah. Um, so when I got it, when I saw the retweet, because I think I want to say it was Rosenthal that I saw the retweet on. I'm like, well, Rosenthal's tweeting it. That's a blue check mark. Holy shit. Yeah. This is real. And I pull everything up. I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. I had to take a, a, a person. I work on a phone. I'm logged into a phone all day. So I work in a call center. So I had to log out basically for bathroom break. And go take a walk around the whole building because I was having a panic attack. I was so over, I was hyperventilating. I was so overwhelmed with happiness. Ran into a couple of uh, people that I worked with who were Padre fans. And we didn't even shake hands or anything. We just locked eyes and said, we did it. We got Manny Machado. I came back. My boss was like, well, I can't wait to go out there on March the 9th, (laughs) which is uh, coming up. So he'll be on spring training. 
We congratulate each other. It has been absolutely amazing. It was an amazing feeling. Where were you? So where I was, this is kind of funny. So I don't start work until 11.15. Were you like Jill Morgan when Barry Bonds broke the record in the shower and you stood up and clapped? No. That's <laughs> no. It's, it's, actually, it's actually pretty funny. So it was. I don't start work until 11.15. So this Jeez. broke around 9 in the morning or whatever. Yep. So I was sitting there. You know when you start watching a video on YouTube and you fall down that deep, deep yeah, rabbit hole? The rabbit hole? hole, yes. Dude. Are you I sure s- you're on YouTube? Or? I don't know how this started, but eventually I worked my way into a video. I was watching a Dale Earnhardt Sr. death conspiracy video. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was almost to the end of it. It was like a five-minute video. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and it, there was like a minute and a half left. And I'm sitting there, and my buddy uh, Alex Aguilar, he was DMing me. And we had been talking about the signings and so on and so forth. And then he DMs me and he says, holy shit. And I'm like, ah, fuck it, dude. I've watched four minutes of this. I'm going to watch the last minute. So I'm watching, I watch another 30 seconds and I'm like, if, if one of these guys signed, I swear to God, I, I need to know. So I stopped it. So I never know. Like, I don't know if Dale Earnhardt Sr. is alive or not because I didn't finish the video. <laughs> it didn't look like that bad of a crush. Yeah, it really didn't. So I went there. <laughs> I, I went and I saw a passing dude. I completely lost my shit. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it, man. 10 years, $300 million. Yourself, my cousin and I, we all have that group thread. And I think we had about 48 consecutive messages with all caps, emojis, and exclamation points. And F-words. Yes, and and lots of of patented Danny F-bombs. Yeah, dude. All over the place. It's just, it's absolutely crazy, dude. It it still hasn't really sunk in. I think it has to an extent, but... Seeing him play helps. Yeah, But it's still really weird. Like, the press conference was surreal. Yeah. uh, Which I think he handled beautifully, because they asked him some tough questions. Like, you know, when they asked him about the other teams and stuff. And he was completely like, it's done, over with, I'm a fry. I'm a Padre. I want to be here. This is where I chose to play, so let's go. Yeah. Um, but it's still surreal. You know, watching the spring training game today, um, he got his first uh, base hit in a Padres uniform. Double spring training. right center. Yeah. yeah, he almost went yard the first yeah. at bat to right center. Just, it's still surreal. Like, I'm watching this guy, and I'm, as, and I know Manny Machado's been a stud, right? Like, we were, we were pitching for him a year ago. Right. But, even going back and looking at his numbers, I'm like, God, this guy slugged over 500. He had like a 360 on base. He's, his stat cast numbers are amazing. I think he has the top exit velocity over like the last couple of years, just in terms of hard hit, you know, hard contact. I'm thinking, this guy's a fucking San Diego Padre. He is a San Diego Padre. He yeah. is locked up for five years guaranteed. I would be hard pressed to think he's going to opt out. Like he legitimately is going to be here for the better part of a decade, and it is the absolute perfect move for this franchise. It really is. You know what it. You know what it brings. I mean, it, it brings a whole lot of things, but mainly what it brings to me. It brings a sense of legitimacy. It Agreed. brings a sense of, and it brings a sense of relief. Like this, this plan, this process that we've been that we've been preached to. Hey, be patient. It's coming. It's coming. Even without Machado, you can look at it and you're like, okay, like I, I can see this. Machado, you don't have to squint anymore. No, you don't have to squint anymore to see. Okay, well, hey, if this works, if this guy breaks out, hey, if Tatis ends up being Manny Machado light, yeah, I can see it working. No, like we have Manny Machado now, so it's like that. It brings a sense of legitimacy legitimacy and I really think like for the first time for me that I can remember I was born in 1990 I really started following the Padres as you know as early as I can remember I was six years old so 96 98 oh good years this is the first time in in 98 I mean I didn't really you know you know follow as close as I do now this is the first time in my entire life that I can actually sit here and say, I believe they're going to win a World Series within the next handful of years. Yeah, first time since I've 98. never been there before. Now, never. I, I, no, I was there once in 98. Now, I've told you this. Like, I, I, 
I started watching baseball at nine years old. It was ninety. It was ninety-five when I started watching. They had Caminiti. It was the year after the strike, and for me as a kid, like I really cared about the Padres second. I was a Tony Gwynn mark. So I really only watched because Tony Gwynn was there. And in 98, I felt like, hey, like my, I remember jumping up and down off off the couch when they clinched to go to the World Series and getting vehemently yelled at by my my parents. Of course. Yes. Um, But I remember like having that feeling of hope, like, hey, my team is good. And then it just died. And then Tony retired. And that's really when I started becoming a, like I started focusing more on the team. And ever since then, like looking back at our lineups, I'm like, like Jagoff or HJ probably brings up like how 04 to 07 is really probably the most successful run in franchise history and that they were consistently good, consistently competitive. Right. But I look back and think on those teams, I'm like, they're kind of manila. Like they're boring. They lacked personality. They lacked flair. They lacked excitement. They were just they were really boring teams. They they had Adrian Gonzalez and nobody else. Brian Giles was solid and underappreciated, but that's really all they had. Um, and they just pitched really well, and they won a lot of 3-1, to 3-2, 4-3 And so even though those were, in retrospect, good years because they, they won, they, they had good attendance, you know, they made the playoffs a couple times, um, it, it didn't feel like exciting baseball. Like, I remember them clinching the the division going 82 and 80, and then the next year they won, like, 88 games and clinched. And I'm like, all right, great, but meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, it doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, whereas this... It was exciting at the time, for sure. Yeah, I, and even then, and even then, like, at the time, I was like, I mean, that's cool. Like, I went to a play, I went to playoff games uh, both years that they, got, that they got in, 05, 06, but even then, like, it just wasn't the same. And I craved that energy that I... Uh, felt when I got to go to a 98 NL, uh, NLDS game against the Astros. I had Tony Gwynn threw out Moises Alou at third base from right field. That's one of my fondest memories as a Padre fan. Yeah. I got to see a lot of cool stuff. I, I got to watch that. I watched Tony Gwynn hit his uh, World Series home run in 98, sitting on a couch at a birthday party instead of eating cake or hitting a pinata. Um, I got to be at, I guess, 3,000th hit. Got to watch that live as a kid. And I got to be at his last game. So I was actually there in the stadium his last game. The Manny Machado signing is easily in those top moments for me as a fan. Oh, yeah. Easily. And it's funny because I was watching, I don't know if I texted you this, but the, the Monday night after we potted, um, or after we did the pod, I was sitting in my room YouTubing old, like, 96 and 98 playoff games uh-huh. just to feel the buzz. And I'm thinking, like, God, I miss, like, that excitement, that crowd energy. And I'm thinking to myself, like, everybody calls us such a sleepy town. But you put something on the field that's worth investing in and worth putting your heart and your soul in as a fan, and San Diego will show up. Absolutely. And, and that is the feeling I've gotten ever since we – not not just the Sunday before the pod um, when we did it, and then obviously um, you know going into Monday when we recorded, but since he has signed, that's the buzz that I feel is that excitement and like we are right there. Like I can – I can feel like this team is right around the corner, and it starts because we now have a legitimate MVP Hall of Fame caliber player who's 26 years old in his prime at third base. We have, I mean, it's, I mean, we have our new face. We have our finally, we have somebody to step up and fill that void that Tony Gwynn left, where it's like we have a legitimate star to build around now. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's time, like you saying all that stuff. It, it kind of makes me think, and it makes it makes me laugh because. It's almost time to start hugging random men. And here's what I mean by that. I've been at Petco when Trevor Hoffman 
when Trevor Hoffman passed Lee Smith, right? What we do? We do. We were all jumping up and down. We were we were uh, clapping. We we're yelling and screaming, and we were passing out bro hugs, dude. I don't even know you. Hey, hey, Padre Jersey, come here, bro. Bro hug all yeah. day. When I was there, um, when they clinched playoff bursts, you dude. E- pure elation just walking around the park in the park get hugging everyone that you see just happiness dude and like san diego we really do show out for winners we really do show yeah. out for winners and like the the time is absolutely coming dude i never thought i'd see it like it i was listening to the the Gwintelligence podcast and they're sitting there like hey these are the best owners that the Potteries have ever had. Uh, let's not I don't get, think they're wrong. I, I don't think, think they're, they're wrong. I don't but think they're wrong the, either. The fact let's is, wait a little longer, but yes. The fact is, the Padres were able to do something that got those fucking guys saying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like they're turning the the most the most fierce at um, adversaries or people that are going against them on Twitter into into people that are now on their side, like me. Uh, no longer miserable anymore. Like, yes, I have smiling no Jordan. I have n- smiling that very, Jordan. That was very offsetting, by the way. Very <laughs> off. I had trouble sleeping that night seeing well, that picture. Sorry about it, dude. I have nothing to complain about. And to that point, Woods had said that day. He's like, "Hey, I don't want to hear it about the fucking jerseys. I don't want to hear it about the giveaways. I don't want to hear about about who's performing at the park. I don't want to hear it because you know what? Nothing else matters. They have finally, once again, put the focus on the field." So, like, do I care anymore about about the... Well, we don't have to care about the color of the jersey because we know it's going to be brown. So that's Thank that's God. already done and over with. But, like, do I have to care about, hey, who's throwing out the first pitch? Oh, why did they choose this guy? Why aren't they doing that? Oh, what? They came away. They came up to the stands and they took away grain beetle hats from us. <laughs> they took away our giveaways. This sucks. Beer's expensive. I don't have to worry about that shit anymore. Why? Because we're winning. We're winning, dude. And it's, it's to the point now where even in spring training, games looking and seeing what the the product that they have actually put on the field I can't take my eyes off the field like during the season I found myself in the spring training game thinking this I was like hey I'm going to come to the point where I can't tweet anymore during the games because I don't want to stop watching because I'm going to I might miss something I want to watch I'm intrigued by every single player that's in the lineup I'm intrigued to watch them hit except for Austin Hedges (laughs) every every single player I want to watch them hit for one reason or another. I want to watch these guys hit. On uh, When the Padres are out on defense, when Tatis is eventually up, and we'll talk about that later. We might fight about it. Um, <laughs> when Tatis is up, I want to, I want to watch them on defense because, hey, if a ground ball is hit, it's going to be hit either in Machado's direction, Tatis's direction, Urias's direction, or Hosmer's direction. Ideally it's not the, something I ideally watch. Not the last guy. But, yes, no, it's absolutely. It's something I, I, I want to watch, and it's like – I, I can't not watch it at this point. No, it's must-see TV, right? It that, really is. It's like appointment setting at this I, point. And and the thing is, is that There's like, nothing boring about them except for right now their pitching staff. And we'll get into that too because yeah. I think there's some excitement to be had there as well. But as far as like, yeah, must-watch. Because right? that's that's the thing with me and Tony Gwynn is that he was for me he was must-watch TV. He was an engaging, charming, funny personality. He was a draw. Um Manny has the same thing. It's not the personality. He does. He he comes off kind of like reserved or shy. Right. Um. But he just oozes swag. Oh yeah. I mean, just oozes just presence and charisma, and that's what makes him must watch. So don't get me wrong. I loved Adrian Gonzalez when he was when he was here. But that guy was a fucking stiff. Yeah, he really was. He was a stiff. He didn't have fire when he played. Like he didn't ooze charisma or have any swagger. He just kind of went about his business, and he was. 
really was boring. Like there was nothing, there was nothing to draw you to him other than, man, this guy can really hit, right? right. Whereas Machado does all that. And Gonzalez, to his credit, is an excellent fielder in his day. Um, Machado does all that, but he just has this way that he carries himself where it's just like, man, you can't take your eyes off him. He is a legitimate superstar player, and he's acknowledged as a superstar, and he is a San Diego Padre. And I I still can't believe <laughs> that that he's a Padre. You know, my cousin got me that shirt, or got us that shirt in the uh, old 84 font, the yeah, brown Manny shirt. The Manny shirt, yeah. Yeah. When we went to uh, the uh, Seals game, which, uh, by the way, Woodsy, man, what a hell of a ton of energy Woods brings to those games. I don't know how he yeah. does it, considering his day job, but it's nonetheless. chewing tobacco. <laughs> yeah, a couple extra tips in there. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, man, we're at the arena. I, I had to run into about seven to ten guys like, hey, man, great shirt. Let's go Padres. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah, we got Manny. Yeah, it's going to be a good year this year. Yeah. Here we come. Like, that idiot who tweeted there's no buzz in San Diego, why don't you bring your sorry candy ass over here <laughs> and tell me there is no buzz? Jabroni. Yeah. You. No, I'm not going to get into it. The other thing I want to mention, because um, you mentioned the intelligence guys brought up a uh, the uh, the owners, right? Right. Yeah. So when you know when HJ's not complaining about the owners, the other thing I want to mention is that, and I, I may have said this uh, the last pod, but uh, thank God they bailed me out because I really took a stand for them <laughs> last year when they signed Osmer. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> and boy, did. they were making me look bad. But you know, it's it's it, at this point I don't know if they're better owners than Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc made a consistent effort to try to buy players. Like he tried to get Reggie Jackson. You know, he he got Raleigh fingers. He was all in on a bunch of guys. But as far as since then, absolutely. Like, I, I, I think John Moores should be acknowledged for saving the Padres, keeping him here when the Warner group gutted him. Obviously, keeping Tony Gwynn around and, and you know, saving him and keeping him as a, as a part of the franchise, building Petco Park. But let's be honest. John Moores built Petco Park because he got to line the property around Petco Park with his uh, realty group. And he's lining his pockets. And that's fine and dandy. He's allowed to make a dollar. I don't care. Uh, but he did give us Petco Park. But that, you know, he never really invested in the team. Not, not in this manner. Because we would say, like, hey, why don't we go out and get Vladimir Guerrero? Why aren't we signing, like, these big guys? And I used to drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, we can't do it. Oh, we can't do it. But, like, Fowler even came out and said, hey, we're not going to spend, you know, $300 million, 10 years on Machado. Yeah, and we all knew exactly what yeah, they gave And him. we all knew... Uh, that, uh, which by the way, you and I overshot greatly on what he was actually going to make a year, I think. I think I said like nine, what was it, nine? Uh, I think I was thinking like 32 million. I think I said year. nine, 275. I don't remember. But to, to your point, I did say the exact day he was going to sign. You did? And so everyone's, everyone's in there, oh man, why didn't you guys do an emergency podcast? Well, hey, guess what? When you do a podcast the night before and one call the exact day that he's going to sign and also tell you what's going to happen and what the team should do after they sign, we don't need to do an emergency podcast. Yeah. That's for those scrubs that, that don't have the, the foresight to call it like we do. Okay? Yeah. So that's why we're doing our pod right now. So you're welcome. Well, that and you are also death ill the past like week and a half dude i'm still sick right now like, you guys can probably yeah you guys can probably hear in the voice but last week i was really sick we wanted to do a podcast on monday but that that kind of fell through but now now i'm good so um this is something that i, I wanted to run by you i oh. mean and uh this for the advanced metrics and the analytics crew uh ran platy padres farm if you're listening i want you to go ahead and mute it for about 30 seconds because you're not going <laughs> to like what you're about to hear when you when you're happy and when you're having fun, would you agree that that leads to better performance on the field when you're enjoying yourself? Maybe individually. Does it hurt? 
It doesn't hurt, no. Okay, so hear me out. Machado, and I haven't looked at the rosters, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture to guess that the Orioles never really had much flavor on their team. They right. had Machado and Jones. Adam Jones and had a lot of And that's about it. Yeah. I'm thinking Dominicans. I'm thinking Latins. Yeah, their uh, pitching staff was uh, I'm thinking guys that makeshift. play with flair. You're talking they about like Solarte types, right? Exactly. Like the Perillas of exactly. the world. Exactly. So I think for the first time in his career, I mean, outside of he had some, he had some characters in the two in months that he was in yeah. L.A. But for the first time in his career, he's going to be surrounded by these guys that play with that flair. And he's, I think it's going to elevate his game. I think I think he's going to be happier when he's playing, and I think that's going to lead to even better performance. Not that he needs that, but I'm just saying that might be something. It's not nothing, yeah. in my opinion. I do buy it. I don't buy into clubhouse chemistry as far as winning I and losing. I know you don't. And that's not why as, I told those on. guys to mute the— Hold on. <laughs> not as far as winning and losing, no. I don't buy into clubhouse chemistry. I do buy into clubhouse chemistry as far as, like, you— you don't have to like your teammates, but you should be able to get along with them, and I do believe that— the better you get along, the more you click and the more you vibe, the easier things are, right? Because you're not against each other. I think part of the problem with the 2015 team, and nobody talks about this too much, and I, at least I haven't heard about anything, is that Bud Black did not do a good job of managing the clubhouse. And, I mean, we used to have that rumor he had a black eye because Matt Kemp punched him. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt Kemp didn't like it here, and I don't think Matt Kemp cared for Bud Black. I don't know how he felt about Andy Green because it wasn't really around that long with Green, but... Um, I don't think that Bud Black was cared for when he got the veteran pieces that we wanted to see what he could do with. So I do buy into the idea of, like, if you're in a clubhouse, I do think that having that camaraderie does account for something. How much it contributes to wins and losses on the field, I don't know because I think that's more based off talent um, than anything else. But it absolutely doesn't hurt. And if nothing else, it is going to make him want to be here. Like, you don't want to go to work and be miserable where you're at. Right. Like, that's what happened to Matt Kemp, right? Like, he went to – he came here. He didn't like it here. He went to Atlanta. I would assume he liked it about as much or less. And then all of a sudden, I mean, for at least for the first half, you know, he had a fire lit under his ass because he was back in Hollywood, right? He likes that big vibe, that Hollywood vibe. Right. I think for Manny, I don't know if he really cares about that. But he does seem to want to be wanted. I don't know if you read the SI article on him. Oh, yeah. Show me some love. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. He wants... Manny reminds me of me. He just wants <laughs> to be shown some attention. He wants to be shown that he's loved. He bookmarks the stuff that people say about him. But, you know, at the end of the day, he just wants to be wanted. And I think from the standpoint of, like, he liked all that, hey, I got to go on private jets and all these fancy-ass dinners, and yeah. I was treated like royalty. Like, it felt good to be pursued. And even though technically the White Sox were offering more per year and then potentially more total, I think the fact that the Padres said, we'll do 10-300, I think he viewed that not only as a sign of, like, hey, they really want me, I think he viewed it as a sign of respect. Oh, yeah. And thought to himself, like, this team is serious. The White Sox are giving me 350 potentially. But this team, and I'm sure they pitched him on the farm system. He he claims to have known about, you know, I looked up the farm systems. I did my research on the teams that were interested. Obviously, there's the Tatis factor. Um, do you think he's looked at the, the photo sheet yet with those abs? Maybe. Yeah? Maybe that was a deciding factor. Maybe he's like, Or gonna... maybe he would have signed a lot sooner um, if he didn't see that. Because maybe he's like, fuck, I can't bring my wife around this. <laughs> So maybe he was just about to sign and those pictures came out and he's like, ooh. This young man's going to have me tweeting, I miss my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I look at all that and I think, like, he looks at that and thinks, 
you know, this team not only wants me, they're obviously pitching for me. He mentioned about being a a, uh, a mentor, which wasn't really going to work in uh, Chicago because they already had that bum Tim Anderson over there. Like, he doesn't need to be mentored unless he needs, like, mentoring on a hitting coach. Right. So I think they looked at Machado and said, like, like we need you to be the man. Like, yeah. we don't have this anymore. We haven't really had it since Tony Gwynn. Like, we need you to be the man. You are going to usher this in. We have Hosmer to worry about all the leadership and the hoorah stuff because I don't think that's Manny's type of deal. I think Manny is a guy who just goes out and does his thing and leads that way. And I think pitching that to him and then saying, here's $300 million for 10 years. Yeah. that's our. There it is. There's the respect. There's the $300 million. This is how serious we are. We are a franchise that has never done this in any level. Not even the Hosmer signing. I mean, he's basically make twice as much money yeah. in two less years, in two more years. I think he viewed that and said, this is where I'm going to go. And damn it, now he's here. Yeah, And the true. future is bright. So I, I want to circle back to what you said about the, uh, the leadership role. So during the press conference... He brought that up completely unprompted. Yeah, on okay. his own. So the thing is, like when when they but gave, he's a dirtbag, Eric. He doesn't want to be a leader. He's a clubhouse cancer with his haircut. When they gave Myers that big extension, people were always asking, "Hey, like uh, Will, do you see yourself being a mentor? You know, now that you got this big nah, contract, bruh. And you know, he might he may have said whatever, but it was always known Will's not that guy. And then Hosmer, oh, uh, hey Hosmer, you gonna you gonna lead these guys? Oh uh, yeah, you know I'm, I'm gonna take these guys under my wing. Like Hosmer may be a good like he may be a good glue guy. You know what I mean? He's Wally Joiner. No one expected that, and no one asked even asked those types of questions to Machado because he had the persona of like, oh, this guy's a dick. And then when you hear him just, out there, and I think he, he's a bit misunderstood. I know, and when you hear him out there and he's saying all those things, I loved hearing that because it was completely unprompted. Now whether they said that before the press conference, hey Manny, make sure you say this a few times, make sure you mm. drop this. I don't think they did, but for him to come out and say that, and for him to embrace that role, and everything that you hear from camp is is amazing about it. You know, he's talking to Tatis a lot. He's taking him under his wing. He's showing him the ropes. It's just, dude, I I could not possibly be more happy right now. I could neither and to touch on that point i meant i don't know if i mentioned this i think i just mentioned in a text i don't think i brought it up um on the last pod but i said i think manny's gonna play with a big chip on his shoulder yeah for like the next five years and the reason i believe that is now i don't agree with what manny did is like the sliding stuff i don't care too much about i think that's just hard baseball um the kicking of the like he stepped on steve pierce which was kind of iffy right like it's like well he kind of stepped on him but like it's hard to really say intent Whereas the Jesus Aguilar where he drags his foot, right. like that's – I have no – I could not spin that if I tried. Um, so there, I don't care now. Well, you better start spinning because that's our fucking guy. You know what I'm going to say if he does that's that? That's our guy. His foot shouldn't have been there. No, my theory is he wants to win. Yeah, he just <laughs> he, wants to win. He wants to win. You but guys I, don't understand. But I would mentioned that in that article that he, you know, he bookmarks you know, mentally all the things that people say about him um, – I think Manny's a little bit misunderstood. He comes off as somebody that maybe can be, and I don't know if this is true or not, but maybe somebody that kind of can take some things personally. Maybe he kind of shoots off the cuff. I don't buy the whole Johnny Hustle as in he doesn't try. I think the Johnny Hustle thing is. Well, you know, uh, Leisure Fryer said that Latinos can be very impulsive and emotional. <laughs> maybe. some Anybody can be a bit impulsive and emotional. <laughs> fucking old bag of bones. <laughs> Thinks they're in the fucking 30s. <laughs> Say what Sorry. he wants. Go ahead. Anyways, but I think Manny <laughs> takes that stuff to heart, like the stuff that came out about him afterwards. Like, it's going to cost him a free agency, which it clearly didn't. But, right. you know, his market was going to be limited anyways. I mentioned the big four teams, like, were never really in on him because they didn't really have the open need. Um, 
But I do think he looks at everything that was said on this narrative created about him being a cancer, you know, people, his, have you, I don't know if you've ever read his Instagram comments. That thing is a shit show. Yeah, it, really it is, is like Facebook on meth. <laughs> it is awful. But yeah. I think he takes note of all that. And he takes note of, you know, people thinking he's a certain way. And I do think that he's going to come out this year and show, you guys don't think I can be a leader? You guys don't think I can be, you know, a positive influence on these kids? Well, I've got Fernando Tatis and Luis Arias. I'm going to go ahead and mentor these kids because I want to. I want to come here and prove to everybody, like, I can be a man, you know, amongst boys. I can be the man, the face of the franchise in a way further than I was on the Orioles when it was just me and Adam Jones. Like, I can transcend that. And I'm going to show all you morons who decided not to give me $300 million that the Potters were smart to take that chance on me. Because it isn't taking a chance, you know. It really is. My supervisor said to me that, you know, when we talked about Harper and Machado, oh, which one do you want more? I was like, personally, like, if I had to choose, I, I'd love both of them. Harper is definitely at least, you know, maybe not now that we've had Manny, you know, with these candid interviews. But to me, Harper was more uh, marketable, you know, this all-American boy. Drafted at 17, yada, yada, MVP season, was the best player in the world for one year. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, with Manny, he'd be like, oh, you know, he just seems like, like Harper seems like the type, like he'll keep going. And and Manny, I think, you know, I think once he gets his money, man, he's just done. And it's like, I think Manny thinks people think that about him. Yeah. And I think that's a common narrative with him. So I think he's going to go out and prove everybody wrong. But like, yeah, you guys didn't think I was worth it. Well, here comes 10 Hall of Fame years. And I've said, I think... Of the two, like, I believe Manny is going to have the better career in the long run. He hasn't been as injured. He gets on the field, and he's just a better overall player. He's a better runner. He's a better, way better defender. Yeah. I mean, he's arguably, no offense, Nolan, he's arguably the best third baseman in the division. I don't think there's any argument to that, especially now that he's our guy. Well, yeah, I mean, but I have to be the objective one, Eric. You're the emotional guy. You think with your gut clearly, and though I can't think with my gut, I also try to use my brain. Yeah, well... (laughs) I mean, it's just um, it's it's a it's a new age. It is a new it, age. It's a new age because so, it's like, dude, the tank is over with. The tank is over, and now I mean, even uh, even Machado is in there, and they asked, uh, "Hey, man, are you gonna you think you'll play any shortstop this year?" Like I love this. Year? And he's like, "Hopefully, they call Tatis up. Yeah, hopefully, so hopefully he breaks I won't camp. Have to. Yeah. yeah, hopefully he breaks camp." So. Although Urias was at short today, which I think is a realistic. Uh, uh, expectation. We'll, we'll go over that later. I do want to keep going with Manny, not Manny himself, but more of the aftermath now, you know, after the, the Manny earthquake has rocked San Diego <laughs> County, right. uh, what the aftermath is going to be. So now that Manny's here, he's, he's locked up five years. I have a hard time seeing him opt out at age 31. He'd be walking away from five years, 150. Yeah. The only way I see that happening is if he opts out and we give him like an extra two years. Yeah. Like the way uh, the Dodgers did with Kershaw. Right. So, um, with that being said, as far as you're concerned, not just this season, but the next five years, what do you think this does to our expectations as far as, like, the, the effect Manny's going to have? Not just on the team. I think we're going to win. I think we have a realistic shot at a World Series, at least one, if not two, in the next five years that we have him. But more so as far as, like, the roster goes. Because personally, I think, A, it proves that ownership is willing to go out there, especially Seidler, if you didn't see his smug face when the, room, when the rumors broke, because they found out when we found out. But, B, I think they're going to be more aggressive – going forward as far as players' acquisition go? Maybe not this year, but maybe towards the deadline and thereafter. What do you think the aftermath of ownership showing they're this devoted is going to lead to? You know, at this point, I'll just speak I'll just speak for me personally. I will never count them out of anything. 
I will never count them out of anything ever again because they've they've put their money where their mouth is with Machado. And it's like they're right now, like the, the foundation of what they have for the future is so strong. Like it, when it comes to the point where they're contending and the deadline's coming up and hey, you know what? Uh, payroll's kind of tight. We're we're almost hitting we're almost hitting that point. But you know what? A guy like uh, a Verlander type is available. They're going after him, dude. Like they haven't built this deep of a farm system, and they haven't put this much money into it up until this point to not go all in. To not go all in. And and also, I think at this point, like another another thing is, I don't think that you go and and you give Machado that kind of contract and just sit back and say, hey, 2019's a wash. They almost can't. I still think that there's that there's going to be a move, whether it's uh, Keiko or whether they make a trade from their surplus uh, prospects. I think there's going to be another move. And like, I mean, we could talk about it later, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team is on on the brink of contending this year. I agree. And I I don't know if there'll be a move now. Like, I don't I know people are, are, are pulling for Keiko. I think Keiko would be a good fit. If we were realistically project, like if we're like a year ahead of schedule, right? Like if this was 2020, we know like, hey, we're a 500 team on paper. We've got these kids developed. Um, you know, I, I think we have a pretty good shot. Then I'd be okay with Keiko. I don't trust the diminishing returns on his velocity. And I understand that, you know, he he does do a good job of, of, of you know, negating contact, getting ground balls. But I just don't trust it. I, I don't trust that a guy who strictly relies on location and he's having a dip in velocity um, I don't trust him for more than a year or two, so I'm not really big on that. I can see them seeing how it plays out in the first half. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in the first half. And then making a move at the deadline and kind of going out and getting like, I mean, they could go out and get Trevor Bauer for all we know. I don't think he'll be available because I think Cleveland's going to compete. But a move like that, right, like the Diamondbacks, for instance. Like the Diamondbacks are probably in sell mode right now. I think they're going to be sneaky good. Maybe a little bit better than the Padres because the core is a little bit better. But I can see the Diamondbacks still trying to reload and think, okay, what can we do to get rid of Granky? And I can see the Padres going in and saying, hey, we like Granky for a certain price. We're willing to flip some guys. You know, we don't need Hudson Potts. And I love Hudson Potts, absolute pothead, but we don't need him anymore. And I think his best bet as a major leaguer is to play third base. So if I'm the Potters, I'm thinking, okay, let's see what Potts can do. Let's see what Renfro, Reyes, Cordero, let's see what all these guys can do. Even Naylor, even though they like him, I'm sure. Um, And see what they can do for the first two and a half, three months. And when the deadline rolls around, maybe shop those guys around a little bit. Not to make a move to compete this year, um, even though it would be cool to see him finish strong, but more so going into 2020. That's what I think this means. Machado means for this year is let's let it play out with what we got. We have enough arms, young guys that we need to develop to get innings and see where they play out. And when the deadline rolls around, let's see what's out there because if there's something we can grab onto for two and a half, maybe three years of control, we'll go ahead and jump on that. Like if Michael Fulmer, right, comes up healthy and Detroit's out of it and they decide, you know what, we're going to go shopping. Hey, what can we do to blow their socks off to get three years of my, two and a half years of Michael Fulmer? Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that, but dude, at, at the same time, like, I don't know. For some reason, maybe they're going to ride the wave. I, I just see the Padres coming out of the gate hot. I see them coming out of the gate hot. And I, I really think if that happens, dude, they're going to make the moves. They're going to go all in. They're going to they're gonna bring the guy. They're going to bring the guy in. They're going to go for it this year. They have enough this year. depth. If, if they start and if they're at a point of contention, they're going to go for it. Yeah, dude. if, they, if we're they don't want to wait. Seidler doesn't want to wait. No, if we're sitting 90 games by the All-Star break and the Padres are like, you know, uh, 50 and 40 or, you know, they're, they're, you know, just a little over 500. I can see them making a push. 
and the thing is, like, I used to be afraid, oh, you know, Uncle Ron, he's too, he's too trigger happy. They're going to blow it up. Right. And try, try too soon. Um, I don't want them to mortgage the farm, but I don't, I'm not against them trading the depth. So I'm not against them trading depth pieces to get, uh, to get more, not just for this year, but like I said, next year, like, let's say the Mets are out of it, right? Like the Mets flop. Cano is just old. Diaz can't close because relievers are volatile. Uh, you know, Nimmo comes back down to earth. Like the Mets just don't work out at all. Right. And they flop and good old Brody Van Wagenen has to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? Hey guys, Thor's back on the market and, uh, we need some pieces. So what do you want? What do you want to give up? Like I can see that happening. Now you get two and a half years of Thor and maybe you make a second half push. Um, the other thing I want to say about, like, I think they could start hard, uh, start, start hot. I think they could get off to a, a fast start. I think that's going to depend on who breaks camp. Now, we're going to touch on Tatis later because that's the hottest topic. And uh, I'll play a little devil's advocate when that comes around. But really, um, I want to ask you if you know what 10-step is. There is no such thing as a pitching prospect. It is absolutely true. Now, Jim Callis was on with uh, Ben and Woods here earlier. Right. Excellent interview. You guys haven't listened to it. Um, Callis is very high on the Padres. His 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 uh, quote was, I think Harper will hit 400 home runs in his 13 years with Philly, but I think Manny Machado is going to win multiple World Series titles. Yep. Now, rock hard, baby. <laughs> that gives me rock hard. Yes, all three inches. Eh? Yep. Yes, yep. sir. Now, with that being said, he did touch on, you know, guys breaking camp, specifically Paddock and, of course, Logan Allen. But I, the more I've – when I found out about 10-step and I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. And as far as, you know, Cal is saying about pitchers developing, there's only so many bullets in the chamber, right? Like pitchers only have so many pitches until they break down, they go into like dead arm phases. Let's look at Clayton Kershaw, for instance. I was, I mean, I'm not surprised because I know he came up young, but he's only 31 this year. Yep. Like he's not old. Like I think Lester was 31 or 32 when he got a full, when he got his uh, his first like free agent deal with the Cubs, right? Yeah. Kershaw has not pitched. I don't think more than 140 innings in the last three years. Like he's been hurt each of the last three years, and it's funny to think about it because he was so durable. He's basically guaranteed to give you 190 to 200 innings after his rookie year until he wasn't. Yeah, until he wasn't. So to me. And, and we'll touch on the Tatis thing. I can understand taking time on a position player, but as far as like guys like Paddock goes and Logan Allen, to me, those guys have to be on the opening day roster. And see, when I was saying earlier about every them starting off hot, that them starting off hot is totally it totally everything lies in the fact of Paddock breaking camp and Logan Allen breaking camp. Because if those two break camp, their rotation's not half bad. You have Lucchese at the top. You have uh, those two. I mean, dude, I would start Paddock opening day. Yeah, if Paddock, we're being honest, Paddock is significantly better. Yeah. than Lucchese. Paddock oh, yeah. was their best starter last June. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, if if you look at those guys, you look at uh, you look at Paddock, you look at Lucchese, you look at Logan Allen. Um, Strom, they got Strom. Like it's not Lauer, that bad. Nicks. Lauer, Knicks, maybe Quantrill. It's dude, it's not that bad. Like you can get to the point where I, dude, I'm praying that we'll finally see Andy Green get a little bit creative. Maybe go piggyback route. Maybe go six man rotation. Which do you prefer? I would rather go with the six man rotation. That's what I. I think piggybacking works if you have guys like let's say they traded for Thor and then they signed Keiko. Like those are our one and two. That you would know, work. Yeah. We'll do Lucchese three because we know he can give us innings and maybe Nicks or Lauer. Like we know those guys are, and you know those guys are back end guys anyway. So you're not really worried about the bullets there because they're just there. And then we'll piggyback like Strom and Paddock. I'd be okay with that. 
But because they don't really have that that work, like those those two or three guys that they can say, here's 150, 180, I'm more open to the to the six-man rotation, which I would play out as I think Paddock's their best starter easily. Right. I think Joey Fuego deserves the number two spot. He had an excellent K rate last year. He wasn't his ERA was barely over four. As a rookie, that's not bad. Yeah. He's also a little bit older. So I would try to get as much as I can out of him. Maybe uh, you know, Nick's or uh or actually Strom. I think should be should be given a, a look. Absolutely. And then after that, Lauer. Especially all those eggs he yeah. had in the offseason. <laughs> was it like a 18. dozen, 18? Yeah. dozen and a half a day? Yep. <laughs> so, but then you have Strom, and then you have Nix in the back, and then you have Logan Allen. Like, let those guys fight it out. But if you get five or six innings out of those guys out of 27 starts, you get to limit the innings. Um, plus, you stretch them out at the major league level, and they develop at the major league level. One thing Jim Callis said in the interview that really, that really caught my attention was that you know, for for pitchers to develop, it's better for them to skip AAA. And I thought he might have been misspeaking, like, you know, you want those guys to develop at the major league level. And I'm like, that's an odd thing to say. But he elaborated in saying that pitchers have a tendency to overthrow when they get to the major leagues. So they have to learn not to do that. They're not going to learn to do that in, in AAA, where they're facing, you know, 4A guys or former major leaguers, you know, the five-year. Cody Decker. Yeah. You know, the Ryan <laughs> Shamps and, and guys who have had – some success, but you know they're they're kind of either on the back end of their careers, like a Frank Core or right. their debt pieces, or you know they're rehabbing stuff like that. You know, where a hitter, you know, a hitter goes over there and he's facing guys who have pitched in the major leagues. They they can get by on guile and and knowledge and grit and you know just because they've been there and they can carve you up, even though they're really not that good. Whereas pitchers aren't going to learn to not overthrow <laughs> and not you know learn to kind of rein it in at the AAA level, and you're wasting bullets. So I think. Six-man rotation. Paddock should be the opening day starter. He is their best arm. He's been their best arm for a calendar year now almost. I think he has to break camp, as does Lo- uh, yeah, uh, Allen. Yeah, Logan Allen. Logan Allen. Absolutely. So, dude, and by the way, Strom, like, eating eight – he ate 18 eggs a day That's uh, with, not- his, with his workouts, and he put on, like, 14 pounds. That's dude, a lot, dude. If 14 pounds of muscle or mass, that I've is a lot. I've put on five pounds since this podcast started. Yeah, but that's eating M&Ms and gummy bears. <laughs> it's not like putting on actual muscle. Anyways, so here's what I like. That's and, 1,400 calories worth of eggs, by the way. Right. Good grief. So here's here's why I like the six-man rotation. This is this is just me personally. <coughs> Don't Excuse die on me, Eric. We told you he was dying, folks. Jesus Christ. We told you. So what it what it does, it, it allows you to have Paddock deeper into the season. Agreed. So with Paddock, his innings limit is what, 150? Um, Ram- Padres Farm disagreed with me because I initially said like 150. They really let Quantrill go all out his first year after Tommy John, more than Paddock. And then last year, I think Quantrill threw 140. But that's Quantrill. It is, but Quantrill was their Paddock no one cares at some point. About Qu- no, dude. Quantrill was their. Stop. Quantrill Stop. was highly coveted when they first drafted Quantrill's him. Quantrill's a bum. And then he did okay when he pitched in Elston the first He's year. He's a right? fucking bum. Dude. He wasn't He's a, not Chris Paddock, anyways. Not anymore, but they did let him go out there and throw coming off. And he was coveted at one point. Not anymore. He's been leapfrogged by about eight guys. So Ram Platty, Ram Platty brought this up about the uh, kind of the uh, the place in his recovery where he's at, and kind of equating it to Walker Bueller of the Dodgers. And Stunned. if you follow that same path, uh, Bueller at that point was uh, 173 innings last year. So, and that includes playoffs. So if you figure what about the year before, I don't know. If you figure with the Padres, Chris Paddock is throwing 150 innings this year. I think 150 innings is is 
fair. I do too. You I, threw I think 90 it's fair. last year. So he has 30, give him 30 starts, five innings a pop. And if you have a six man rotation, those 30 starts, that can last you into September. Yeah. And if, if, if you happen to be at a playoff position and you're making a push, Dude, Paddock's not going to let you take him out of the rotation. I fucking guarantee he's not. He'll be darned if you take him out of he's the gonna rotation. He's going to have his lasso. He's going to lasso Andy Green. Dude, he, it's it's absolutely not going to happen. So if he's there, if he's there, he gets his 30 starts. You have a six-man rotation. You get more young guys. I think he has guys. 27 starts if you, if you play it out. That way, pro is about 27 starts. Whatever. More, you get more perfect. young guys getting opportunities by going to the six-man rotation. Those guys get their opportunity. You get Paddock later into the season those two guys absolutely need to break camp and if paddock is the opening day starter that's going to make it even more amazing but that kind of brings into um we wanted to, to talk about tatis because the the conversation had kind the of the argument we, we started fighting again yeah yeah so the argument came up in regards to when he should come up and when he should break camp everyone knows at this point if what is it 17 games what is it, um, late April, early May? Basically two weeks. Okay. So if he comes up at that point, we get an extra year of control. Great. Which it is responsible. That's the responsible, sensible way, even though it sucks. I have a way around that, by the it way. It absolutely we'll sucks. That. that is the sensible way of a business side of doing it. But if you want to look at if you want to win games, Tatis is clearly your best option. I think he needs to start opening day at shortstop. He needs to be the opening day shortstop if he continues to do what he's doing this spring. If he happens to fall off at the end of spring, I mean, hey, fine. Throw him in in, uh, AAA for a month, whatever. But if he keeps up what he's doing right now, he needs to be the opening day starter. Here's my my argument towards that. I don't take anything he did in the Dominican Winter League or spring training with anything more than a grain of salt other than it just proves that he's healthy. Now, I'm happy to eat that crow sandwich if Craig Meddy wants to put some mayonnaise on it (laughs) and uh, uh, spicy jalapeno pepper jack, please, on the cheese. Because I said, with that thumb injury, I could see him being out till maybe May or June, depending on how severe the surgery was in terms of sapping power. That's the first thing I thought of when he hurt his hand. A hand injury, power is going to be sapped. Yeah, That's true. usually what happens. Now, Tatis, of course, is a freak of nature with a six-pack. So Eight-pack. Uh, Eight-pack, excuse me, and uh, $1,000 loafers. So yeah. apparently that doesn't apply to him. So <laughs> he's clearly healthy, and I think that's what you can take away. I think you can make an argument on both ends. I was telling you this the other day when you had showed me the thread, like, hey, you know, take a look and tell me what you think. I think you can make an argument that if you're if your motto and your your goal is to, regardless of where you're at roster-wise, right? Like if you're the Orioles, if your goal is to put the best team on the field opening day, then yeah, Tatis is your opening day starter. Because I think he's better than Luis Urias, at least as a shortstop. Well, I don't know, we're maybe on the development side of things, but I think he's a better player now than Urias. Um He's clearly a better defender. He's obviously better than Greg Garcia, and they're not going to put Manny at shortstop. I mean, Manny has pretty much all but said, like, I came here to play third base because he's at short. Yeah. So I there's an argument to be made there. I also think there's an argument to be made on the other side of the coin in that he did miss a lot of time and that playing in winter ball and playing in spring training where the level of skill and talent that you're up against – very so greatly that they, you can't use that to to indicate what you think he's going to do or to say, well, he's ready or he's not ready. I mentioned this a few second, a few moments ago with the pitching prospects. You know, I think pitching prospects can make the leap from Double A um, for the most part because it's it's better for them a to to blow their bullets in the major leagues, anyways, but because they can develop certain things like. Um, Command, composure, you know, in a major league atmosphere, not not learning to overthrow, staying within themselves. 
Whereas with hitters, I think them going to AAA where they're facing guys who have pitched in the major leagues, who have who some of them are good enough to make the major leagues or you know they have been at some point. I think it's good for them to do that. And he did miss a lot of time. He didn't go into AAA, which he probably would have been after the break had he not gotten hurt. So I think there's a benefit to him going to AAA at least for a month just to tear it up. And that he, month does nothing, dude. It does nothing. It does. Baseball is baseball is baseball. It doesn't matter who you're facing. It false. really doesn't. It really doesn't but matter who you're facing. But we said the same thing about Arias dude, last year, and look, he struggled. The talent that the talent that Tatis has. That's the thing. When players come up, if they struggle, I kind of expect it. And Tatis, the the last what year? Last two years, he started the season a little bit slow. Sure. So I think. Even if you keep him down there, you keep him down there in AAA, he's red hot. It's like, holy shit, Tatis is on fire. Bring him up. Bring him up. I still think he's going to struggle. So why not get those struggles out of the way early? Bring him up, opening day, let him work through it. He's eventually going to get there. I'm not worried about his K rate. I'm not worried about about who he's facing in AAA for two weeks because you and I both know he's going to be down there for two to three weeks. Maybe. If he's down in AAA. Those two to three weeks worth of at-bats mean nothing to me. But Absolutely we, nothing. And again, I go back to Arias. We thought Arias was only going to be down there for a month, maybe two tops. He's down there for almost six. So We're talking there. about two different players. True. But again, Tatis. Tatis is a generational talent. He Urias is. is a very, he's going to be a very solid major league player. Tatis is next level, dude. He is, but it doesn't mean that he can just skip two and a half months of, of missed at-bats and develop. He's still developing. It's not like he's Vlad Jr. who was ready a year ago and should have been brought up last year. Like, he missed a lot of time. And I think that there is there is something to be said for him missing that time and missing that development time. Now, you brought up Machado in that thread where we were talking about that. Like, Machado came up at 19. If the Potters were – the only reason they brought up Machado when they brought him up so from AA is – Exactly. They were in a playoff race. They needed to fill third base. It was a black hole for Baltimore at the time. And the best thing they could do was to bring him up. And because their window was then and there. The Padres Guess what? He turned out just fine. It's not about whether or not he's going to turn out just fine or not. He did struggle, which was fine. He struggled. He, he made the adjustments. He was a stud the next year going forward and has been a stud since. The thing is, is that they brought him up in a different context. The Padres don't really need to bring Tatis up other than really to just appease us. Because really that's what this comes down to. It has nothing to do with whether or not we think he's going to develop. Well, we and, want him on the major league roster. And to appease him, dude. Like you see the quotes coming out from Chris Bryant. Dude, he's won a he's won he was rookie of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, he was MVP. He's won a World Series with them. Like, and he still has not forgotten that he was kept down for bullshit reasons. And now look, look, whether or not I'll listen to the arguments and oh okay, uh, maybe Tatis isn't ready. Blah blah blah. Okay. I think I'll, he's I'll close to ready. I'll give you an ear, I'll listen to it. I won't agree with it, but I'll listen to it. Okay, make your points. That's fine. Whatever we think about it doesn't matter. If Tatis thinks he's ready and the and he feels like the Padres are leaving him down there just as like a hey, we're gonna be cheap at this point and I don't want I don't want to accuse him of being cheap. But um hey we're gonna keep you down there so we can kind of screw you out of an extra year of service because hey we can and well, those they don't are the screw them they gain an extra year of service. You know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, we can manipulate these rules so that we get to keep you for an extra year um on the cheap. He's dude. He's gonna remember that. He's gonna remember that. Maybe. Put it this way: it doesn't hurt to bring him up now. Like, where? When would you want to have him have his debut? Do you want to have him ha- have his debut in like in May? Like, hey, May third. Look, hey. man, I'm with you. I told you I was just playing devil's advocate. If he's on the ro- I said this in the in the text thread. If he's on the roster opening day, I'm fucking ecstatic. I'm absolutely ecstatic because I. Th- and again, I'm not a scout, but I think 
he is about as close to he's about as close to ready as you're going to get without a evaluator saying he's absolutely ready. Now that's the other thing: objective evaluators, who their job is strictly to monitor, you know, analyze the players objectively, give us that analysis based on what they're hearing from the organization, based on what they're hearing from outside scouts. And most publications say he's close; he's very close, but he could probably use some time in Triple A to make up for the at bats. So I would take that and think, okay, I can listen to that. My my counter argument would be if he's that close and he's that much better than what you already have, which really Greg Garcia, it's Greg Garcia and Ian Kinsler. Right. Those are the two guys that you have to look at and think, is Tatis better now, even with a month of struggles? Is he better now than Kinsler? Maybe. I think Kinsler's pretty steady. I'm actually fairly impressed with the career Kinsler's had looking back at how he's ma- maintained the ability to still be worth starting, even though he's as bad as dipped. Greg Garcia, absolutely not. Greg Garcia is my 25th guy only because he plays shortstop. Like, if Perella played short, I'd probably keep Perella over Greg Garcia. <laughs> yeah. But, so, like I said, I, I think you can make an argument on both sides. I would love to see him break camp. But I can see why because, again, objective, you know, objective evaluators are saying, you know, all the prospect stuff, the outlets are saying, like, yeah, he could probably use some season. He's very close. Um, but I, I would love to see him break camp. But I have a thing, real quick, I want to run by you to get rid of all this. What's so, um, oh, and I wanted to tell you the thing with Chris Bryant is that every, that's that's with the evaluators thing. Real quick, everybody knew he was ready. Right, like Vlad Jr. Everybody knows he's ready, and there is an uproar with Tatis. Other than the Padres fans, I don't feel like the national narrative is he's ready, and they're just holding him down. I think there's a legitimate developmental reason that they could go to him and say, "Hey, you missed a lot of time. Like we think you're close. We're gonna bring you up." We just want to see you in AAA for a couple The only thing that weeks. matters is what he thinks. Exactly. But I think he has a good enough head on his shoulders to kind of understand that. But I know how to get rid of all that problems once and for all. How? Give him a long-term contract. Yeah, I'm completely in favor of that. Absolutely. Get the, the, the Phillies did it with Scott Kingery, and they bounced that poor bastard around like a utility player. Tell You don't tell him this. You don't tell him this. But you offer him a contract. Say, hey, we'll give you eight years, what, 120, 120. You eight years, one twenty. We'll throw two option years at thirty mil a piece, and if we opt into that contract, you get an extra three years on top of that at ninety mil or a hundred mil, whatever you want to do. We basically sign you to your thirty, thirty-two, and now you're the franchise player. Right. Give him that. Give him that contract. And if don't tell him this, but if he accepts and he signs on the dotted line with our new best friend Danny Lozano, <laughs> Manny Machado's agent, our new buddy, uh, if he signs on the dotted line. You congratulate him, tell him you're the opening day shortstop for the San Diego Padres in 2019, and just call it a day. So then you agree that the only, by what you just said right there, the only reason why they're not bringing him up is no, because no. of contract, because no, no, no. of contract terms. No, you just said. No, I would give him. The, I would give him the contract. I would do it because at that point you the, said if he signs the deal, don't tell him. But if he yes. signs the deal, hey, you're starting. Well, because it's no longer a concern to me. I don't think that their concern. He's 20 years old. I don't think his concern is so much. Being on the con, like his the extra year of service, I, th- I think you wait because you don't know what you're going to be in three, four, five years. But if he does sign the contract, that's no longer a concern, minor or otherwise. So that, at that point, you just throw him out there and hope to God. Uh, now we are going to move on here to our much, the much Twitter anticipated segment, Twitter thread as I pull up my bookmarks here. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> so I put it out there on the uh, Trevor Hoffman. The Trevor Hoffman photoshopped photo, and you guys, uh, you definitely did not disappoint. The infamous Trevor Hoffman photo. Dude, you know what, man? These these Twitter segments, dude, like there's some, there's like 2%. 
good questions. And the other 98% <laughs> I would say, I would is say shit five, five to seven. It is so funny, dude. It's absolutely funny. <laughs> so let's start with a serious one first by uh, the Padres' favorite Padre fan, Ryan Cohen, at Ryan Cohen 24 Eric, what makes the Machado contract worth it? An MVP or a championship? Championship. Absolutely. Dude, it's championship or bust. Like, yeah, I'll be happy with an MVP, but, I mean, to this point, honestly, like, just what he's brought just by his pure presence on our roster, that's already made it worth it to me. But I want a championship, dude. If if the 10 years are up, you know, if we're sitting here in, in 2028 and the Padres have not won a World Series, I'll be greatly disappointed. As will I. So the second question uh, comes from at the Chamner, good old Chad. Yeah, he's asking a loaded Padres perspective. Represent. He is asking a loaded question here, <laughs> and uh, somebody's going to lose out. So uh, it's it's like what John Heyman said about uh, the three teams, the only yeah. three teams, and uh, you know two good players. Right? Sorry about it, White yeah, Sox. We call this the John Heyman dilemma. Eric, power rank the Guintelligence gang cowards. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're the, we're the cowards. So if I had to rank them. I'm sorry, I gotta go HJ first. I was gonna go Chad. Obviously, oh. Chad goes first. Nope, he's asking. He was asking for that. Sorry, sorry, Chad. Obviously, Chad goes first. I mean, without Chad, there's no intelligence, and he, I think that's very clear. He does have a wonderful profile picture. So after that, after after Chad, and Chad is like in first place by like 300 miles. Are you gagging right now? 300 miles, and in second place, I gotta give it to HJ Preller only because. I would say Marver because I love Marver, dude. I fucking love Marver. You got but the Marver look going. You've got the baggy shirt, the beard, and the backwards I have hat. my hat backwards for yeah. Marver right now. <laughs> um, I love Marver. But that son of a bitch is ripping some of our questions from the Twitter thread for his dumbass Periscope. And he sits there. He doesn't season his Brussels sprouts when he cooks them. He, has a he doesn't season his chicken. He's got the white, the home whites of cooking yeah. down. Yeah, he's sitting there. Oh, and by the way, Marvin. Eric does, is so pissed right now, he just turned his hat around. Marvin does a Periscope. <laughs> did you did you watch Marvin's Periscope? I, I saw him come out, and first of I, all, as eloquent as he sounds, he dresses the exact opposite. First of all, Marver's sitting there. He's like, hey, guys, I'm a Periscope in, uh, in in 10 minutes. And I'm sitting there, and I see that he posted that 25 minutes ago. I'm like, shit, I missed it. Well, no, he still hasn't gone on. So Marver, <laughs> Marver finally goes live, and he's sitting there on Periscope. And he's sitting there. Do, he's, like, talking for five minutes straight. And all of the comments, just all the way down, <laughs> All the comments, Marver, we can't hear you. Marver, we can't hear you. And that asshole's still sitting there talking. So, Marver, you're in dead last. <laughs> Marver, you're in dead last. It goes Chad, it goes HJ, and then Marver. The, the, epitome, of, Marver. the epitome of loving to hear yourself talk. I love that guy. Dude. Yes, as do I. What do we got next? Um, let's see. Uh, from our good friend and new member of the solo podcast community here. Golden uh, Age, baby. That's right. Andy Mazone at AF Mazone. Uh, if you could have any current Padres body, who would it be? Oh, I'll let you answer that one first. Uh, let's see. Well, I think the obvious is going to be uh, Tatis would be the obvious answer. So I'm going to go away from that. Um, let me see. That, that actually is a good question. I'm trying to think who's on the Padres that's like got a good good frame on them here. A good frame? Good frame. Who's got a good build over there? Who's who's bulked up a little bit? Hard to say. They don't really have any guys that are like yeah, Jack. Framil. He's kind of heavy. He's, He's like twenty percent body fat. That's like pretty much what I am. Maybe a little <laughs> bit more since we're in the off season. I'd be afraid to be Fran because I'm injury prone. So I'd be blowing knees and hammies uh, left and right. I'm gonna say, uh, 
I'm gonna say Jacob Nix. He's got a good. Oh, he's got a good. Interesting. Good, very sturdy build. He looks like he'll eat some innings. You know, wow. he's got that sturdy bulldog build. I'll say Jake. I'll say Nix. I, I did not see you going that route. No, what'd you think, Urias? I yeah, racist. I I did not see you going. <laughs> nice that job, route. Leash. I would go. Uh, I'd go Manny Machado, dude. Yeah. You have to go Manny Machado, and not not because I want his body. I just want his body next to mine. <laughs> Shirtless. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give him all the cushion. Oh God. Oh God. And by the way, hey, you guys need to follow at AF Mazone and make sure, dude, um, the best Padre podcast that's out there right now. Easily. Make sure you follow him and, and give him a listen. Easily. What do we got next? Uh, what we got next, uh, speaking of AF Mazone, are we going to be uh, paying for his Patreon account when he actually uh, gets that rolling? Absolutely. 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 We will say he's got two children. He's got a tough kick. Tough yep. kick. Yep. All right. Let me see if I can uh, get a good one here. Okay. Uh, Fritz at SD Fritz, our old buddy, old pal, one of our original listeners. Right. Uh, he says Chase that... Chase Headley, apologist. <laughs> <Jesse Fritz. laughs> yeah, take it easy on him. Yeah. I was apologizing for Burroughs earlier today. <laughs> so uh, he says, uh, Kaplan says the Padres team should contend this year. Does this unrealistic expectation set the fans up for disappointment? Well, dude, I talked about that earlier. And I told him, I don't think it's that unreal of an expectation at this point. I don't think so either. Um... But yes, I, we are, dude. We're gonna be completely let down if they finish next year with seventy-five wins. Oh yeah, we're gonna be like fuck. So, seventy-five, maybe not, because seventy-five, eighty wins, I think, is realistic. If they're finishing in the sixty-five to seventies, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be pretty bummed out. Yeah, because that means that the pitching didn't pick up at any point in time, and maybe Urias, Tatis, and uh, other guys struggled a little bit more. Yeah, I mean. I, I'm, I'm, dude. I'm really excited. I'm really excited yeah, about I, it. I'm just, I'm overly excited. I'm overly well, optimistic. Our boycotts, well, my boycotts over because the minute they signed Machado, I drove down to Petco Park yeah. to go buy season tickets, and I tried to buy a damn jersey, and uh, that didn't pan out so well. Yeah. So, anyways, we're we're running out of time here. I'm looking down on here, so we'll we'll kind of go quick. Uh, HJ Preller at HJ Preller. Will Danny be giving a full rundown of his Seals experience? Not full, but uh, give me your thoughts from the Seals game. Hashtag fuck yeah. When's the next home game? It was sick, dude, wasn't it? I it told was, you. I like that they play the music. My daughter had a good time. Yeah. She was over there jumping up and down and cheering. I like that they play the music. You know, it's uh, those guys, man, they beat the crap out of each other with just pads and basketball shorts. Yeah. 100%, dude. If you haven't gone to a Seals game, go out there. Dive Absolutely in. worth it. Dive in. Oh, no, you know, getting a, what is it, two-for-one beer or something like that? Uh, Three-dollar dollar beer in there? Yeah. You can't beat that. Not bad at all. No, they're not Bud Lights either. Matt Winnette, uh, at Matt Winnette Zero. Where are your guys' go-to spots in Peoria? And he's asking for himself because he's going to be out there next week when we're out there too. Well, Matty, you just, weekend, baby. just uh, slide into the old DMs and uh, maybe we'll drag you and that scum Luan <laughs> over to uh, good old Bobby Q's and uh, El Comador. Yep, I like uh, Bob. my two must-go-to must, must go to spots, Bobby Q and uh, Comador Guadalajara. Yeah. Among um, other classy uh, nightclubs that we may be frequenting. Yeah, Alaskan Bush Company, that yes. is an absolute must. So anyways, uh, we're, we're running out of the uh, very end here. Uh, Raging Ricky at Bloodlight. Which country artist is going to be Paddock's walk-up song? I'll let you <laughs> I'll let you handle that one. I'm going to be very disappointed, Dan, if it ain't Toby Keith. <laughs> Brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Oh, God. Yeah. Over under 10 suits for Paddock this year. Uh, I'm going to save 15, and I'm going to show up in a, in a cowboy hat when he makes his debut. Yeah, we sure. should get that movement going. That was a good idea. I think it was by Don, our good friend. Yeah. So, anyways, if we missed your question, sorry. We went a little longer than what we had anticipated. But, We're just uh, excited Manny Machado's a Padre. Very excited, man. We're going to spring training next week. We'll probably record something out there. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We'll see you later. We're out of here. <laughs>